Will you two smile, please? How well, you have a bee nice. on the back of your phone. It's true. Do you? Aw. Watch this. It's got... I'm gonna get it out for the gram. That's nice. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready? Oh my gosh, wait. I have a bee on mine, too. I just remembered. <laughs> okay, now we're ready. <laughs> You're embarrassing me in front of my dad. <clears throat> we're embarrassing Dan ourselves. what I'm like at this point. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Yeah, thirty-four minutes left. Oh yeah, and you're the <laughs> host today, Jim. Yeah, I know. That's I'm, I'm looking at my script. I've never I've never hosted my own or our own podcast before, so it's, it's weird. True. My own podcast. Yeah. I I I, I changed it. Our it was your, and I just made myself a part. It's of like it. the least amount I think yours. There is a group coming in here at two thirty. Two thirty. Okay, yeah. so they oh. might be here. Too. Oh. we're good. We're if we're talking at then they can. Kick they us can out. come in and yeah. We'll they can be a part of the podcast. They can they be a part of our studio audience. Love it. Oh, that'd be great. Laughter. All right. Well, welcome back to Ope. Here's a little marketing for you. I'm John Young. I'm Ellen Cernko. And I'm Ellie Hicks. Each week, we get to talk about most how to get the most out of your marketing. By the way, this is the first time I've hosted, so I'm going to just triple over this. As a, <laughs> all right. As a small business owner or nonprofit organization, this week, we're talking to my dad. I brought my dad to a podcast. Let's bring your dad to podcast day, everybody. How nice. He's the chief ice cream dipper here at Young's Dairy. We're in the Young's Dairy podcast studio slash party room. For two weeks in a row. It's true. It's exciting. Love it. So if, if you hear a loud beeping in the background or a child screaming, that's normal. They're not a part of the show, but they are a part of... They just need ice cream. They need ice cream. And we have some. So we're going to talk to Dan about his offline and digital marketing journey. That's what we do. We talk about marketing journeys. Sounds like a plan. It's true. So we usually start with a, an update or a trend of the week, but we're going to skip past that because that's not relevant. We're going we're gonna to talk about the ice cream. The curds, the, the whole thing. That's all we care about. So, Dan, I know your story because I've been a part of it for a while. But would you tell would you tell our podcast audience your your young story from starting at what point? Well, <laughs> you can pick whatever starting point you want. Well, if I mean, if we're sticking to marketing in general, or just, start with uh, the young story. Young story. Okay. Well, the uh, the young farm got established in 1869 by relatives of the young family. Their last name wasn't Young, it was Gerhardt. Fortunately, they carved in an oak board in the Haymow the year, 1869, in their last name. Otherwise, I wouldn't know that. <laughs> I was up there the other day. It actually says April something or other, 1869. Oh, where else? I'd never seen that before. On that door. Oh, the one that's up in the mount? Yeah. Oh, we, yeah. We were up there looking for something else. Okay. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, because we got to repair the roof. <laughs> and... um we were up there, and I said, and, they, and they, the guys were talking about doing this, and Joyce, and all that. I go, I don't, I don't know. I was just bored looking at the door, and I saw April carved in there, too. So I, that's cool. Anyway, so that Sounds was like a big, he's going to make another marketing holiday. No. The no, April 1869 no. party. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> told you. So fast forward to many years, uh, the family during the Great Depression uh, lost the farm basically. He had to sell the cows and sold the farm to a couple of neighbors. And then my grandfather, Happy Young, bought it back in 19, somewhere around the late 40s, 1948, we think. And, and he had three sons, Carl, Bob, and Bill. Bob was my dad. And basically, farm with three sons equals cheap or non expensive labor, basically. <laughs> And so they started a farm, we milked cows, rented a lot of other acres. For the time frame in the early 50s, we were farming maybe 600 acres, uh, corn, wheat, um, soybeans, other things. Also milking cows, raising hogs at a different farm right down the street where we lived. Um, and so kind of the farm evolved into the late 50s when we said we're my uncles and dad said, why don't we just sell the milk straight to the public instead of selling it to some other guy who takes it and bottles it and puts it in a, there were no supermarkets in the local grocery store. So they said, sure. And so they put a sign up that said 60 cents a gallon, bought a used refrigerator, some milk bottles, put the milk in it, put the sign up, and people actually from Yellow Springs mainly at that point in time visited, made their own change, left her empty milk bottle, and got a new one. That's how it kind of got started. And then around that time, in 1953 to be exact, is when I showed up 
on the scene <laughs> and started working really on the farm, probably age 10 or 11, somewhere around there, doing I, working would probably be too loose of a term, um, but it was just <laughs> good to hear that sort of you know doing stuff. Um, but around that age, of, you know, twelve for sure, I learned how to drive a tractor, rake hay, do kind of little jobs like that. And of course, my main job at that point was taking care of our calves, feeding them a couple times a day, making sure they're healthy, cleaning their pens, and all that sort of thing. Um, so fast forwarding more, we. Added a real store, started selling ice cream, which at the time wasn't made by us in the 60s. It was 1981 before we started making our own ice cream here. Um, and did many more things on the farm and got more involved in dipping ice cream and taking care of our guests and that sort of thing. Um, went to college, got a general business degree from Miami University. Then uh, in the, I'm really fast forwarding into the mid-90s, um, got an MBA from Wright State but really got interested in marketing and how we can sell this place. And kind of our journey on that was, and I really moved forward quickly, but we started as a farm, then kind of a farm market where we were adding value to what we were doing by selling it straight to the public or our guests, as I call them now. Uh, And then we added more food like I said, the ice cream, which is made by others, a company that no longer exists in, in Dayton, made it for us for 20 years or so. Um, and then we got to thinking about, well, what are what is it that we're doing? Um, what What is it that we're selling, to be more exact? And I read a book by Tom Peters called Thriving on Chaos, one of my favorite business books ever. Had some uh, really profound things in it, at least it spoke to me. And, and at the, around the uh, kind of going a little bit farther in the late 80s, early 90s, I went to a three-and-a-half-day class at Disney World. Somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> about guest service. And it kind of really made me think about what is it that we're doing. And then my cousin Ben, the following year, I sent him down there, and he took another three-and-a-half-day course on how to hire and train people. Out of that plus the thriving on chaos, plus our thinking about it, came our mission statement, which started to define what it is that we're doing, which our mission statement, the first six words are, we create fun for our customers. And that really defines everything that we do here from that point on. And that really allowed us to start thinking about marketing, communicating to more people, not just folks locally that wanted some milk or some ice cream or a donut or a cheeseburger, but they're really visiting us because it's a fun place to visit, experiences, traditions, memories, that sort of thing. And once we began to think of ourselves that way, that's what really opened it up to doing things like utters and putters, the miniature golf, and then the driving range, and then the batting cages, and then all the other stuff we've added since then on the uh, call, we call it the entertainment side of the business. So that's kind of the, a, a Semi-long version of their history. My yeah, history. that's yeah. you know yeah. that's the, the speech effort before. So yeah, it. Um, what what I wanted to kind of dive into first was some of the the first marketing efforts that we did, at least the ones that I, I'm I'm aware of. Um, I wanted you to tell tell the story about our first birthday club because we have a we have an email club here at the farm that's almost ninety thousand people I think are in, mm-hmm. in our email list, but it didn't obviously it didn't start as an email list because it started in the eighties, right? Eighties, yeah, yeah, early eighties. I'm guessing so. Yeah. You know, uh, those of you who had been to the the previous version of the store, the one that was built in the '60s, there was a computer in the dining room. Do you do you guys remember this at all? In the '60s? No, not in the '60s. Uh, yeah, I was like John. No, 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 I no, wasn't no. even a thought in the '60s. The computer was around in the '80s and '90s. Yes, I remember the computer. It was like an old old yes. uh, the, the cut type of keyboard that Rachel likes with the big clicky buttons. Yeah, mm. I wasn't. Okay. I didn't know that this area existed in the '90s, so oh well, I wasn't from. Oh, that's here, right, you're so. not from. Yeah, here, I so no, I didn't you're grow a, up. You're yeah. a traitor. I'm an I'm a new youngs goer. So obviously, this was pre-email. So Dan had made a uh, program in in DBase, right? DBase three and DBase three plus DBase three plus. Sorry, right, well, he paid for the plus. Yeah. So the um, we would take your just your name and address and phone number or not your name uh, maybe your phone number. I'm not sure if he kept a phone number phone or, number. or not. And just name and address, no email address, obviously. And you would get a postcard for your birthday. 
So we had how many? How many people did we end up with when we actually it? more than we have on the? Yeah, uh, I was going to say like over 100, 000. about one hundred forty. Yeah, one hundred forty thousand wow. postcards, which made sense when postage was like ten cents. But I remember I, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I remember the year that Dan said, "Hey, we need to change this to an email because it went from ten cents to like twenty four cents." So when you double your cost for 140,000 postcards, you say, this isn't the marketing method for me anymore. Mm-hmm. So we, we swapped to email. We, we, we worked with a company in Dayton first. They custom built us a program to keep track of that. And then we, you know, we've switched it up a couple of times since mm-hmm. then. We finally, I think we're at, well, I know we're at MailChimp now. Mm-hmm. So the complication was uh, with all these places that we've got families that come here. So we need to have more than one, you know, Scarlett doesn't have an email, well, she actually, she doesn't have an email address, but <laughs> most kids at seven don't have an email address. So it makes sense that we sign up as a family, not as a, uh, just as a whole the, uh, individual. So, and we also tailor the offers to the age group that you're in. So mm-hmm. the young group gets a, uh, you know, kid's meal or a dip ice cream or a round of mini golf. And the older people would get like uh, $10 off a meal or different choices, different choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Those yeah, have always changed throughout the years. But. Yeah, when we abandoned that, we were up to basically mailing out close to 3,000 postcards a week. Wow. We bought a special printer, and we were actually sorting them out with the, the post office, whatever their rules were at the time. So we got some pre-sort rates that saved money, but we were spending uh, over forty grand a year in postage, you know, almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so that that's why we changed it. Honestly, I still have... I wish we would have done it differently because that was a nice big list. But, of course, there was no real way to update it. I mean, you know, if you're sending somebody a postcard for 10 years, it's not likely they're still there, especially if they, when you first started, they were 12. (laughs) They're probably somewhere else now. But somebody's still getting a postcard. So that that was another reason for it. But, man, it was a big list, and it was a valuable thing. We, If I had to do over again, we had to slow down the transition and said, hey, here, um, hit this website and sign up, you know, for the new one, um, something along that line. But we didn't. I think what I like about the birthday club is, and I think we've talked about this before when we're talking about Young's, is at least trying something and seeing if it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you at least tried it when mm-hmm. you first started, and then it was a huge success. But then it's not a set it and forget it kind of thing either. You're continually looking at the process and seeing how can we make this better? How can we... Uh, you know, reach our customers better, reach our guests better, um, and like continually looking at how you can make it better. Like I think you and Rachel just did like a pretty big update to the birthday club process in in MailChimp like Mm -hmm. two years ago or something like Mm -hmm. that. So that's what I love about it is that it's still effective, you know, like decades later, you're still Mm -hmm. doing the same concept, but you've continually revised it and updated it to make it work for your for your audience base. Right. Yep. Which is awesome. Yeah, our guests really respond. I mean, I remember when I was dipping ice cream when I was 14, those postcards just coming in a lot because, I mean, people treasured those. I think it was a, like a two-dip cone, wasn't it? Or a Sunday? Yeah, we probably changed that over the years, but it was pretty valuable. Yeah. I mean, it was a good deal. Yeah, it's like $10 of ice cream now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I mean, it was, it was a good deal. So people um, yeah, people really treasured it, and they, they really like theirs now that you know, every once in a while you'll get an email of, hey, I didn't get mine or... You know, it's easier to track now with email. Like I can say, yeah, you did. It's in your spam folder. Like I can see it, see it came through as opposed to a postcard. I'm like, I don't know. Post guy, mm-hmm. post guy probably has a stack of them at home. He's coming in every other week with, <laughs> with your coupons. So let's talk about, um, so that's the e- email. That was the first thing that we kind of did digitally other than the website. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was obviously a part of the first website bill, but I don't remember. I, and I was uh, 13. No. 15 or 16 at the time. So I don't remember exactly your your mindset of saying, hey, let's build a website in 1997. Well, it seemed like it was something to do to communicate with our guests a little bit better and everybody else was sort of doing it, Mm -hmm. uh, larger companies especially. And so we got a uh, copy of Front Page, (laughs) which is a Microsoft product. And it it was actually very good to get one started for the first Mm -hmm. time. And so we messed around with it, got it going, were, you know, kind of thinking this can't be this easy to get one started, especially when you don't have any idea what you're doing. Um, But, you know, here's some information about the farm. Here's our hours. Here's cows and goats, you know, and (laughs) cheese and ice cream. Well, not cheese. We had cheese at the time, but it wasn't ours. Um, Ice cream and stuff to do. 
And so we, I don't know, the first effort was, I'm guessing, a dozen pages probably. Yeah. Um, somewhere around that vicinity, but not much interaction other than just an information and click here to email us, I believe. That would have been on there. But front page, actually, I mean, I felt it was a good product at the time. It obviously doesn't exist anymore at all. Or does well, it? <laughs> we're not, we're not, we don't we don't uh, we don't call out clients, but we've actually got had a couple clients, uh, one locally that I'll tell you about after the fact that the reason they hired us was because they were still using Microsoft front page, and this is within the last two years. Wow! Yeah. But, uh, but, but Microsoft doesn't no, support no, no, no. it anymore. There no, 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 no. Okay, they, they had one computer dedicated to that that they yeah. didn't allow to hook up to the internet because they didn't want it to accidentally update because then they wouldn't be able to <laughs> make changes <laughs> yeah. to their website anymore. Yeah. So thankfully That's they're hilarious. not. Thankfully they're not on that platform anymore. But yeah, I think uh, I remember looking at it recently. I think front page stopped in like oh five or oh six even. Yeah, like a long, long time, long ago. time ago. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. I remember. I, Remember we, you know, they had a uh, a library of gifs that you could use, like little laser animations. Like this is the first iteration of gifs, not like fun ones, but it was like a laser. I'm gonna shoot a laser across here, and I've got those little fireworks going on over here, just because. Oh my gosh! We'll have just to include no in the reason. recap blog. You can go back in the Wayback yeah, Machine yeah, yeah. and oh, see yeah. like the original, and it's really really fun. That's my favorite thing to do. The yeah. the, the gifs don't move, uh, and the the website doesn't move like it did and still does. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. That was that was 100% a damn thing. Like, we need to make the website move. So we figured out how to embed a wave file behind it. Yeah. I've loved the stories over the years about people saying they typed in our address for the first time in an office environment, open office especially, and they got their sound clear up. Oh, my gosh. And all of a sudden it goes, moo. And they, everybody in the room is like, what? You know, and they yep. feel all embarrassed and everything. I love it. It's great. <laughs> and I think I've told you this, but the, one of the one of the times I called into uh, Bennington, the radio show, mm-hmm. um, they were oh, they were yeah. pulling up the website in the background while I was talking to them, and they had the sound on. <laughs> so just a huge moo went out over the air. That's <laughs> they, awesome. They just completely flipped out. Sorry. Yeah, it's just something you. you know. Especially, honestly, it's a fun thing to do, but for those people who experience the trauma. Of it, you know, embarrassing themselves. <laughs> you will remember it. Oh yeah, forever. Yeah, that's right. And they're yeah. going to tell everybody yeah. you yes. got to go to yeah. the site. Yeah. it moves at you. Yeah. So talking, continuing on with the conversation about digital marketing, uh-huh. if we can shift a little bit to talk about Facebook. When did you guys first start your Facebook page? Boy, I would I would guess in the mid. I mean, two thousand five or six or seven. I mean, when Facebook started in 05 oh five. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So we yeah. would have been maybe oh eight, oh eight or nine, yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah. And how has that influenced the way that you communicate with your guests over the years? Because you were one of the, I mean, you were in the early part of companies that decided to have a Facebook page. Yeah, I remember getting that started. I was afraid of it, and uh, you Fair. know, I kind of, I mean, I, we, at the very beginning, you couldn't do a business page on its own. Mm-hmm. It had to be part of your personal page. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. I created one. I still have it. I hardly ever use my personal one, but um, it used to be linked to the business one. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of created it. It'd be, and John and I worked together a little bit on that one. And we kind of had a page in, once again, but I was afraid. I said, I don't know. I, feel, I mean, I feel I don't want to post anything because I'm, I mean, afraid of being stupid. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I wasn't worried about Russian bots or something <laughs> uh, attacking, but it was just more like, gee. But I remember one day I finally said, okay, we're just going to make this thing live and see what happens, honestly. And so it's changed the way we communicate because it, it blew up pretty quickly. And we got, I don't know, I don't know 10 or 15,000 followers uh, or likes, whatever you want to call them on Facebook, um, pretty quickly. And then we hooked up with the Yellow Springs Chamber, which mm-hmm. had about 20-some thousand followers at the time. And we kind of cross-promoted each other, and we both benefited a lot. So we went to, I, I would guess, forty or 50,000 quickly within mm-hmm. the first year. I, I, I mean, I may be misremembering, but it was a big bump when we kind of worked with them. So we worked with some others, and then it's been pretty much organic ever since that we Went up to maybe eighty, ninety thousand folks pretty quickly over the next few years, um, but growth has been slower. You know, once we're at about one hundred fifteen thousand or so now, and we still grow every year, but nowhere near exponentially anymore. Mm-hmm. But I like it because a, especially now, you can plan things mm-hmm. ahead of time. And, you know, match them up with your schedule 
and your cow, our calendar, excuse me, um, <laughs> that we do here. And uh, so that's very valuable. Say we got this coming up and you set events and, you know, we got a wool gathering coming up or we got the family value wristband week coming up and all that sort of thing. You put all that in there and com- communicate that. But I also like it that if I see something cute or interesting someday or just think of something, you know, like literally 40 seconds later, I can have it out there. Mm-hmm. Or if I think of a haiku um, and, <laughs> and put it in there, which, by the way, get really lots of results, you know, lots of followers. Yeah, by the way, if, if any of the Young's <laughs> Facebook followers don't encourage my dad on his haikus. <laughs> The other thing uh, that I wanted to say that uh, when we were going from about thirty to fifty thousand, someone either created another Young's page or oh, one yeah. was organically created, and so mm-hmm. that had twenty five thousand likes, like maybe ten or so thousand less than ours. So at that point, we've had clients do this too, where you know they found another page or previous owner made a page. We combined that, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't a complete overlap, but it, we I think we gained like ten or fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. When we did that, and I think that was the catalyst that got us to the 60 or 70. And then we saw really, like, we must hit some kind of Zuckerberg algorithm because mm-hmm. we started to really pick up speed. And then yeah. a couple of years ago for Father's Day, I got Dad one of those uh, tickers. It's in his office. It ticks every time we get a new like. So, it, like he said, it's not as, uh, it's not as uh, steady as it used to be. But I remember it must have been two falls ago. It was a haunted wagon ride night. I know we were like at 99,990-something. And so he wanted to get a video of it clicking to 100,000. So he was over here on the other side of the farm making sure people got on the wagons. And then I was watching it at home like, oh, it's 99.99. Go, 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 go. And so he's got a video of it flipping over to 100,000. It's one of those like old school. Have you seen those advertised? Yeah. Like for for yeah. doctor's offices and whatnot. So I got him one for Father's Day. So it's it's not not as fun as it used to be because it was, you know, it tick every, every once in a while it tick and you see five new people. Now it's just like one. Mm-hmm. Or negative one sometimes. Yeah, occasionally <laughs> in the wintertime, it tends to decline yeah. a little bit because mm-hmm. we just don't have that much activity mm-hmm. on our, our website or on you know, our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think actually, yeah, there's one that was like 20, 20 or 25,000. I think that was like Young's Dairy Farm or something like that. But there were like three other ones. Yeah, there were a couple of were smaller very ones. very small. Yeah. And when John was able to get those all consolidated, and to my knowledge, there hasn't been any new ones created. I haven't seen any. I mean, it, Facebook's gotten better at showing you all the things. So it's easier. it'd be easier for us to see it now that it wasn't. Uh, someone made us aware of it because they said, well, your hours are wrong on your Facebook page. So we looked at our Facebook page and said, nope, they are right. And so I said, can you send me the link of where you saw that? And then they sent me the link, and it was this other other Facebook page. And I was like, oh, that's not ours. And so we figured out that Facebook didn't have a, a great method of automating that process, but they, we were able to. There are actually people there that you could actually talk to and work with and make it happen. Yeah, you send a, a message to them and you just kind of wait yeah. and see if someone's actually there. And right. a few days later, all of a sudden it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. But I remember, I remember vividly when we started Facebook, Dan was, you know, you, you said, you know, this is 100% have, has to be for our, our business because our fans, our guests love to share stories, love to share photos. And it was a very visual medium. It's turned into like microblogging with some photos, which, which is good that Instagram exists because Instagram is kind of what Facebook used to be, like you're sharing memories and stories and whatnot. So we like this is clear a clear good thing for us because we can share our photos and our likes and share our stories and our guests are doing the same thing. We can share them and other people see it and their friends see it and they come out. So it was a, it was a home run. It's also good uh, product development because maybe 10 years ago now, I've just looking for ways to get traffic, people looking and liking and all kind of things. I said, hey, what flavor of ice cream do you like that we don't have? And I thought well, I'd get, you know, 20 responses. I got like 400 <laughs> in like the next day. And about, as I remember it, 40, 50% of them had some version of caramel and salt. In other words, sea salty caramel. And I'd never heard of it. No one here had. We went and found some, tasted it. It was delicious. Turns out it's an easy flavor to make, which <laughs> makes it doubly good. And so we started making it, and it was a hit almost instantly. A couple of years ago, we bet, made it better. We have Now we pump in some caramel also, so it's sea salty caramel swirl. It's mm. even better. It's more sugar and more goodness in it. <laughs> which means it's always better. Oh, right? my goodness, yeah. So that was a good one. Now, I said, well, that worked. I'll do it again. So about two or three years later, I said, hey, 
Same question. What flavor do you like that we don't have? I got a lot of maple bacon. Mm, interesting. Bacon was a thing at the time. It still is. But um, so I, was I said, well, we got a couple hundred people that say they like maple and bacon. I'm a little skeptical, but let's give it a try. So we made that for a short while one summer. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently those people just didn't decide to visit here. Yeah. Thanks. Because uh, it, it, it didn't sell. Mm -hmm. And so that would be one failure from Facebook flavor. But it is a great, like John said, it's a great place to get feedback from your guests. You know, I love this. I hate this. Mm -hmm. You know, and that sort of thing. And, and that's, I mean, I like to always read about how great we are. <laughs> but I always tell everybody around here, those are nice. But really, the ones we got to pay attention to are the ones that says you didn't quite get it done mm -hmm. um and then just like all social media there are the not quite so much on facebook but some other social media things that are being bought by a billionaire guy <laughs> currently there's a lot of haters we used to use twitter but we really don't mm -mm. anymore because yeah. there's just too many haters on there yeah and it gets insane and it's just no it kind of devolved into something else and mm -hmm. so we just want to kind of stay away but i know other companies use it and that's great uh, just doesn't make any sense for us. So yeah. kind of building off that, another question. You've also kind of dabbled in YouTube and now in TikTok and in Instagram. Can you talk a little bit more? We always talk with our clients that, you know, you got to be on the channels that your audience is on. Um, but, you know, sometimes you have almost like sub audiences or sec secondary audiences for different channels. So can you talk a little bit more about how those different social media channels speak to different parts of, of your guests and how you're able to utilize them maybe a little bit differently than Facebook? Sure. I'll answer from my perspective and it allows us to hit different audiences. I mean, back when I was in my teens and twenties, there mm -hmm. were three TV stations and a couple of newspapers and that's it. And yeah. so you, you were broadcasting whatever you did marketing wise it went everywhere that you know i mean you mass quantities of audience now it's you know way more targeted way more smaller audiences that you're hitting but you're hitting them more specifically mm -hmm. and so you know young's has been here basically 60 years as far as our retail inviting people onto the farm buying things and you know experiencing our farm so a lot of our guests coming here are my age the baby boomers and their grandkids and their friends and all that sort of thing. But we got to make sure that we're replacing them with the millennials and then the, or the Gen Xers, the millennials, the Gen Zs, and uh, what's the latest term? Um, Alpha. Alpha? Really? really? I haven't heard well, that. I hadn't heard yep, that one that's either. That's the next one. Yeah, Ellen's, yeah. Our, Ellen's our, our young one. She, she's always bringing in new social media networks, I don't new know terms. Scarlett is Gen Z or Alpha. I've never, this, you're, this is the first time I've heard of Alpha as the next generation. I but, saw a couple articles saying we need to get rid of the generational terms because it's just kind of silly. But. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's probably scattering and breaking down into more right. discrete packages also. But there are differences. Mm -hmm. And if you group together people, at least in those ages, you can at least see the wealth that they have or don't mm -hmm. have or spending what they spend money on generally and not and all that. But um, we, you know, I've always said when uh, we're talking about guest service, uh, when I teach that here at Young's, I said there's nothing more powerful as far as marketing goes. Because I'm always talking about word of mouth. That's it. Word of mouth is 90% of any marketing. Um, whether you see it on a TV, you read about it, or you know, see it on the YouTube or Facebook or whatever, it's about what you talk about to your friends. Obviously, social media allows you to talk to more people. But I'm really talking about that one-on-one -on -one conversation you have with people might be because of something you saw on social media. But the, uh, there's nothing more powerful, getting back to my story, than a five- to seven-year-old in the back seat saying, I want to go to Young's mm -hmm. when the family decides to go do something. Let's go do something today. Young's, because I like the ice cream, I like the goats, and most mom and dads can't um, defeat that will. <laughs> right. Nope. So, so that a long answer to getting back to the TikToks and the YouTubes and the, all the other channels that are here now and will likely be scattered even more into the future is an, able to hit not five and six year olds, 
please forgive me. I'm not, you know, and not under 13, but, um, but the, uh, the, you know, keeps them interested, a way of interacting with us, seeing something, mm-hmm. keeping us on the old top of mind awareness in your marketing books. <laughs> um, it's a way to do that. Besides our experiences here, it's just a different way of reaching different audiences because um, even though I've recently seen some numbers that Facebook is circling back around and signing up newer, newer, younger folks, mm-hmm. there for there's a big gap that became oh you know not Facebook that's yesterday's news. Mm-hmm. Well, there's still I don't know what two billion people on it. A lot it. of people, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so maybe yesterday's news, but it's going to be around for a minute. Um, but the other newer ones coming on, who knows where they're going to go? And so lots of lots of eyeballs on lots of those uh, products. So you talked about how you were kind of nervous to start your Facebook page mm-hmm. back when that came about. How was it when you started your TikTok? I know that's been very recent, and and we uh, you started off a TikTok. So did you have any hesitation with that platform? No, because I had you and others <laughs> doing it. <laughs> yeah, I you know I wasn't going to try to learn that because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, I, I every once in a while I've gone on it and looked at things and I go, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, you can get a little bit of a rabbit hole in those things just to see mm-hmm. what else is happening there. And it doesn't necessarily make much sense getting back to our, um, you know, generations. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. It's not not it's not something I would do other than if I'm trying to understand it. Mm-hmm. And I've decided I don't understand it. And I'm not saying, you know, it's stupid or anything. I'm mm-hmm. just saying I don't really get it. And so there's no reason for me to be a part of that. Yeah. So that actually leads into um, my question that I want to ask the most during this time. You you kind of touched on it in that answer, but as the chief ice cream dipper, how do you balance your involvement in your marketing and all the other responsibilities of running a business? So like you you clearly love marketing, like you have a heart for it, but then you know you're also responsible for all these other things. So how do you balance your involvement in marketing and everything else that comes with running a business? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's simple and it's very difficult. The answer to that is that, and I'm going to circle back around to, I keep focusing on those six words. We create fun for our customers. That's everything that we do has to be related to that somehow. Mm-hmm. And so I like to think of and, and be more longer term and more strategic and deliberate on marketing decisions. And, and I will be, but we tend to do a lot of that thinking ahead in the wintertime mm-hmm. when we're very slow here. And in less this time of year, assuming it ever warms up and the sun ever comes out again, <laughs> um, we don't have time for that at that point. So we almost go from the plan that we've already kind of made out, and it's, it's a flexible plan. We can change it in the middle of anything mm-hmm. we need to, but that's kind of like the plan. And so... But once we get to the busy time of year, uh, we have, don't have much time to think about that at all. It's more like getting executing it at that point, not coming up with really cool new ideas. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, right now we got to sell ice cream <laughs> and rounds of miniature golf and goat food and you know cheese curds, um, and so let's focus on that. And so the uh, yeah, I'd love to spend more time thinking about that this kind of thing, but um, the day to day operations just get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. And we're not that big, we're a pretty small organization. And so it, it isn't like, well, you know, Jan over there will take care of that. No, it's uh, something you just got to take care of because usually it involves a guest that needs to be taken care of or a group of guests or something along that line. Mm-hmm. Is that a good enough answer? Is that yes. answer you? I okay. very much yeah. like that yeah. answer. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I like it because <clears throat> you've been able, like, the more you grow and change your marketing and your business over the years, I can see the way that you've started to delegate in different areas that it makes sense so that you can focus on what is most important, which is the guest that is here currently and making sure that they have the most fun time and the Mm -hmm. most amazing experience so that they'll come back and so that they'll tell their friends about it. So that's a great answer. Yeah. That's uh, I talk about that in guest service class too. I said, you know, there's nothing. uh, I think my biggest marketing expense here at Young's, is our training of our staff. Mm. That's part of marketing. It doesn't yeah. come across in a marketing line. It's up in labor, <laughs> which is too high also. But, uh, um, so, but you know, there's nothing better than a happy guest. They're going to go out and recruit other guests every time. 
And obviously, the inverse of that is also true, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, especially with social media. You know, uh, we we uh, saw a Google review just the other day. It's something like, well, there's no reason to go back there. What what did, what did they say? Was it the one that we you know, didn't like the new building and layout and those, there's no reason to go back? Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And, and, and okay, well, you're not going to please everybody all the time, even no matter how perfect you may try to be. <laughs> um, but uh, the happy people go out and get new guests. And that's really why we've been here for 60 years, mm-hmm. you know, inviting people on the farm. When you make a good point, we, and I think we've talked about this in previous podcasts as well, that like you can have the best marketing in the world, but if your product and service don't match it, then you're just kind of setting yourself up mm-hmm. for failure. So you, you know, you started with this really strong foundation of a business model that works to serve your audience, and then you know you built your messaging around that already strong foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a saying from a, a consultant I know, Jim Sullivan. Uh, I, I haven't heard from him for years, but he used to own some restaurants, and then he basically said, "Boy, it's more fun to talk about that than to actually cook fish and serve it." Um, but one of his things was, you know, good marketing. If you're not doing a good job, the only thing good marketing will do is tell um, people to learn faster that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so if you're doing really great marketing, getting them to your place, and you're not doing a good job, you're just telling a lot of people quickly that you're not doing a good job mm-hmm. and they won't come back and then your marketing won't mean anything at that point. Mm-hmm. So we use Young's a lot in examples when we're talking to existing clients or future clients, A, because they, they know our brand, mm-hmm. but B, because we do a wide gamut of different tools and things here. And we also preface it with saying, well, it worked at Young's, uh, but it might not work for you, but this is the methodology of why we did it and it may work for you. Well, Right now, you know, you and I went to D.C. last week to talk to legislators about you know, inflation, labor costs, all the things that are making small business owners really pinch right now. In terms of, you know, marketing, how can marketing kind of help overcome? I know you're spending money, is, uh, you know, offsetting those inflation costs, but how, how can marketing kind of help small business owners get through kind of the tough times that we're dealing with right now? Well... Just like we did in D.C. Uh, to our legislators, I think marketing, um, I guess simply telling your story to your guests and helping them understand your business and what it is that you offer and, and the benefits really to them of going to your place, whatever it is that you're selling. Um, continuing to tell the story uh, and refining that story by listening to your guests to make sure that you're delivering what they th- they want. Um, there's been a couple of sweet spots in the career when we figured out something they wanted that they didn't know that they wanted. Uh, Utters and Putters is the best example I have of that, is that the, when we did a survey way back in the early 90s, and because uh, I uh, said, so we need to do something else. Um, John... Kathy, or my wife, and, and, and I went on a vacation. We ended up driving into Myrtle Beach, saw a whole bunch of miniature golf courses. We'd never seen anything other than just a simple little putt-putt courses, brand name, putt-putt. And, but we saw those. I, if I remember, at least I tell a story. I stopped on the side of the road. I said, that's what we need. People want to do something else. And so I came back using my marketing degree <laughs> and said, or business degree at the time, and I said, hey, um, here's some things. Would you like to do something else when you come to Young's? Because at that time, we were just an ice cream store with some sandwiches in the middle of a cornfield with a barn next to it. And and they said, well, yeah, that would be good, because we already noticed they liked to watch milking, even though we didn't have a way of getting in the barn to watch the milking and, and uh, et cetera. And so you know, I said, well, here's a list of five or six or seven other things. Rank those for me. And, you know, we had, I don't know, I don't remember what we had on there, but Minister Golf came in pretty much toward the bottom. So I threw out the survey because I knew I was right. <laughs> they didn't know what they were talking about. Um, but I didn't ask the question right, right? I didn't, I just said Minister Golf. They had no idea what I meant by Minister Golf. I didn't mean another, you know, just small. Yeah, 18 flat holes in the middle 18 of the flat hole. holes with the yeah. windmill. Yeah. You know, I met Utters and Putters. And so 
what I went to the bank and, of course, the family and told them this is what we need to spend a quarter million dollars to build. <laughs> and we just ignored the survey. Cause, uh, uh, and it worked because people really wanted to do that. They didn't know that. And so there's other examples over the years, uh, you know, uh, many other businesses have been created that way. Uh, you happen to get ahead of what people want. Um, and so what, what, what was the question? I don't know. Finish it up? Okay. All right. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah. when, it, when, I, when we were talking about mini golf, I was 12, maybe 13. Mm-hmm. I was yoked for the idea. The whole family was not. You know, there were parts of the family like, yeah, that may work. And there were parts of the family that said, absolutely not. This part of the family was like, mm-hmm. yes, yes, this is what we we need. I need mm-hmm. in my life is a mini golf course that I can play all time. Yes, so I can just go out there from ten a.m. to eight p.m. and play mini golf. This That's is what, exactly how I would have been too. This is the business solution of all times. Yeah, I grew up going to Myrtle Beach with my family every mm. year for vacation, and I think that was probably our favorite part was all of the miniature golf courses that we got to go to. I mean, they were incredible. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm a big fan of mini golf, so. Yeah, and when we did the research on that, we visited quite a few of them around in two or three states here, and that's when we saw the idea of a driving range mm-hmm. and then the batting cages, and because we, we visited some places that did that, and they were doing it successfully together. And, you know, it's like, how could it not work here? Because we already have thousands of people coming here to buy ice cream and look at a cow uh, and, you know, experience the farm already. So surely they're going to want to spend more money and time here. And it turns out that they did. And then that's when we then a couple of years later, we added the, the driving range was next. Yeah. And then the batting yeah. cage and then the, all the other stuff we've added since then. We can't just come to Young's and just do mini golf. You have to get ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tradition. Cheese yeah. Skirts. And yeah. cheese curds. And cheese curds. Always yeah. cheese curds. Yes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, what is your favorite cheese curd flavor? I just like the traditional. Yes, Regular. me too. Yeah, yeah. Out of town. <laughs> I need all the dipping sauces. <laughs> yeah, I like all of them. Yeah, Anytime I way, treat Ellie to lunch, we have to get. We, we, just, we end up getting the traditional with the with mm-hmm. the dipping sauces. All we, the dipping neither sauces. Neither of us can decide on which ones we feel like that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the cheese curds is a, another great example. Honestly, of what I was just talking about, uh, even going back to something else I talked about, we didn't. We did our business plan when we first started making our own cheese thirteen years ago. Mm-hmm. did not have the word curd in it because we didn't know that was a thing. So we listened to our guests. They come in and say, well, that's nice. You're Colby and your cheddar and your Swiss and all that. But why don't you make curds? I said, what do you mean? And uh, we always, already knew Little Miss Muffet, Senator Tuffet, eating her curds and whey. Cheese is the curds. already knew that part, but you sell just a curd before it's aged or put back together in a big piece of cheese and sliced up. Yeah. Said, yeah, because, but most of those guys were from Minnesota mm-hmm. or Wisconsin. <laughs> and they would say, well, at the state fair, we have at the Minnesota State Fair, they have like 50 deep fryers. I was able to look at it online and um, saw, you know, YouTube videos of it. I went, oh my God, this is interesting. And so we started making our own curds and selling them as fresh curds to take home. That was doing okay. But then they said, you got to deep fry them, all right? So I tried to find some recipes online, and, and that was a pathetic um, <laughs> venture. Um, but I contacted a, a friend of mine who I served on his uh, – he was a teacher at Miami Valley Career Technical Center, or Career Center now, and in the culinary department. And I said, hey, Chef Stans, I need a recipe for breaded curds. So he emailed one back, and he said, I think this will work. And we tweaked it just a tad, and it, it does work very well. You know, it's our number one song, Side Choice. And uh, we created a scholarship in his name for their student, his students, I should say. He's retired, but the students that are there now. And um, so that was one that – but when we first started selling them here, almost no one in Ohio knew what a deep-fried breaded cheese curd was, honestly. Say, would you like to try these curds? Curds? Mm-hmm. <laughs> curds? It sounds a lot like something else. And so – they just didn't want to eat it. So try it. In fact, I had many staff members say, you need to change the name. You're not going to sell them with curds. I said, no, that's what they are, mm-hmm. and we're going to teach people. <laughs> and so we just sampled the heck out of them for four or five, six years, almost daily. And we honestly, I can say there's uh, several restaurants around here that now have curds, mm-hmm. not as good as ours, um, because they're battered instead of breaded. Um, but 
No one had them at the time. I know Culver's does. Yeah. It's another kind of a chain operation that has it sells a lot. Yeah, of that's meat. the one I was thinking of. There's another, there's another one in Columbus that we've been to that has them. But, yeah, they're also, you know, like you said. They're battered. Battered, which is mm-hmm. completely different. Yeah, it's a different you – know, people – I always not get irritated by saying – people say, oh, like mozzarella sticks. I go, no. <laughs> this is cheddar. <laughs> Not mozzarella, and it's breaded, and it's better. Oh, yeah. I didn't um, think about the mozzarella sticks being mozzarella, not cheddar. So that's the two things. One, you listen to your guests, pay attention to what your guests, maybe even figure out what they're asking, even if they're not specifically asking for it. Because no one here asks for a deep-fried breaded curd except for our, my out-of-town guests. But they sold it to me by seeing what they were doing elsewhere. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I said, well, we can do that too. And then, you know, Showing it to showing the benefits of it to your guests, and of course, you know, we did marketing a lot and we still do tons of posts on Facebook and etc. to promote the fact that we have something different. And like I said, we sell more of those than we do french fries now by a lot. And I never would have bet that until maybe three or four years ago. And it's our second most selling single item, right? Yeah. yeah. After a one-dip cone. Yeah, one-dip cone, <laughs> then an order of curds. Yeah, it displaced two-dip cone. That's usually been our second best selling item. It's a two-dip cone. Now it's the third selling item. So listening to your guests when they tell you what they want, and also listening when they're not telling you what they want. So by other actions and communication, kind of listening to them and then acting on that. And then sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. Yeah, getting back to the small trials idea. I like small trials. Um, even if you got an idea that might be cost a lot of money to do in the future, you can always, almost always do a small trial of it. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done anything that just completely failed? Yeah. <laughs> Pick one. Yeah, anything stick out. Uh, well, well, which go, one hurts the most? Going, I mean, there's been flavors of ice cream that, you know, besides some like maple bacon. bacon. <laughs> But there's been other ones that didn't work, you know, small ideas like that and, and milkshakes and Sundays ideas. My sister came up with one called Marshkins, and uh, it was a Marshkin Sunday. It was, uh, I think it was pumpkin yeah. with marshmallow. Actually it tastes pretty good, mm-hmm. but it just, you know, it's a kind of a cute name, mm-hmm. but it just never went anywhere. We tried it a couple times. <laughs> I would have thought sweet potato and, and marshmallow. We tried to did, we had a sweet potato flavor at one point, didn't we? We tried. Yeah, it? we did sweet potato ice cream. Interesting. Um, but if I didn't have pumpkin, yeah, ice cream, sweet potato would sell very well. Mm. But pumpkin is far and away the biggest seasonal flavor by mm-hmm. yards. <laughs> um, we used to do. We tried um, pick your own strawberries. This is going back to the seventies, um, even late sixties and, and the mid seventies, something like that. We tried that for a few years, didn't really work very well. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I could come up with other examples. <laughs> My favorite one is probably just just because it, it grew up in the age where I started remembering things. We had a root beer stand, uh, a root beer float stand, and it was a, like a wheelie cart that you'd roll around. And so the idea was is that we'd you, know, you can make root beer floats down here. You can go up to the golf course, make root beer floats. I worked that thing for like three weekends, probably made three floats. <laughs> it was really? <laughs> whenever, whenever Dan's feeling a little high himself, I just, I just throw a root beer, root beer float cart. Yeah, out. And then he's funny. like, oh, yeah, that's right. Sometimes I make mistakes. Most of the time I'm very, very, very right. So you were just like wheeling around this cart asking people if they wanted a float? Yeah. Just well, in the middle of it wasn't like, like It wasn't like, like a stadium like, oh, get your floats here. Okay. I was just kind of like, I'm here. <laughs> okay. Hi, I have root beer. And like I uh, popped up over the mini golf right. course. Like don't wait in line. Float. Make a root beer float right here, and then yeah. it turns out root beer floats aren't all like overwhelmingly popular. Which is offensive to me because they yeah, might I be one of my favorite things. I do, yeah. but it, but if you if you went to an ice cream place, like say you went you're to right, ice I would choose something over the right. root beer float. We used to do, um, you know, Water Dog and New Carlisle. Yeah. Uh-huh. We would oh, get yes. Water Dog root beer, and then we would get ice cream on the way home in New Carlisle, and we'd make root beer floats. So good. Should have done it with Young's ice cream. You should have. Ouch. <sighs> well, we go. were all the way over at New Carlisle St. Paris Road. That's a long drive. I'll bring that up at the end of your review. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right, yeah, but, so, that, but that's like looking at the traffic here, the pedestrian traffic. Mm-hmm. A lot of people walking through there. Why wouldn't they want to do that? Well, they want to come in the store mm-hmm. and experience that. It isn't, it isn't that much traffic, you know, to put a little push cart out there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it isn't it isn't like Disney. Yeah. <laughs> when you have a bazillion people and a line to get into restaurants is continuous and forever. Mm-hmm. So I'll stop by this little cart and get some little, you know, eight dollar, you know, float. Yeah. Seemed like a. I mean, I also yeah. like root beer floats, mm-hmm. but like I would have like mm-hmm. one a year, yeah. mm-hmm. and I'd be my float quotient yeah. is over. All right. So before we get to our favorite segment grinds my gears. Dan's got, I, I don't even know what it is. I told him he's got to come up with one. I want, I want to ask one thing since, you know, being around you and your, your high restaurant cronies and how much they respect you and say, you're the prognosticator of all things, restaurant and marketing. Yeah. What's the next couple of years going to look like in digital marketing terms? I think it'll continue to grow. It'll continue to uh, segment differently. Um, segment meaning smaller segments, each, each of those, channels are good for um i'm hopeful that it will become less uh contentious slash hate but i'm not i'm not i don't think that's likely here hold on since i've got my scarlet soundboard i'm going to give you okay <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unlikely. yeah yeah unlikely to happen i appreciate the uh the uh, optimism, though, because that seems like a lovely place to be in social media where we're all like working together for a common cause. Each other, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah less, uh, more thoughts, less reacting. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I, I would, one would hope at some point celebrities and famous people would get it in their brain and you don't need to share every thought you ever had mm-hmm. with everybody. Yeah. In fact, I would recommend you share very few of your thoughts with everybody. <laughs> um, so it'll become more segmented. Um, it'll also, I, I believe even with the, um, various acts of like companies like Apple to make it harder to track folks or track, uh, segments of folks and all that sort of thing. I think that'll become even more so out there. I don't think they'll, I don't know at this point whether there's any laws that anybody's going to be able to pass that's going to make any huge difference on that. Um, as far as, uh, being able to purchase um, histories of where you've been, what you've done, in groups, at least. Yeah, um, cats yeah. out of the bag a lot on that, and you know, cutting back on being able to track people hurts Ellie's heart because she's our ad girl. Yeah, she's got to be able no, to know. know all your buying habits before right. she sends an ad to you. Yeah, but they're 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 finding they're finding ways to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not as precise as it was, mm-hmm. but it still beats the heck out of three TV stations and a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And or just buying buying a zip code worth of uh, addresses. Yeah. Saying, I, I don't know, hopefully these are our buyers. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I remember back when I was a teenager or even in the 20s, you're watching ads on TV selling uh, like atrazine or um, dual you know, herbicide, herbicides for your corn. I said, why in the world would you buy an ad that's going out to, at the time, Channel 7 or 2 is probably um, a couple hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. And maybe 2,000 of them even know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But that was the only way to communicate with them, unless you went and knocked on everybody's door. Well, yeah. you, said, you said one thing that, that, I, that I, always, I always love people's reaction when you answer it is, how much do you spend on what you call traditional marketing, so non-digital marketing? How much do you average, average over the last couple of years, let's say? Maybe a thousand dollars a year, <laughs> which is, yeah. is unfathomable. I, other small restaurant, uh, small business owners in small restaurants would they, just, they would just shudder at the thought of you know company what they perceive as this monstrosity, not monstrosity because it's a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. This huge organization that has this big footprint of youngs, and we spend definitely less than a couple grand a year mm-hmm. on what we call you know print marketing, print ads. We don't do any. We don't do any radio per se. We all we do a little bit, I suppose. A little bit, you know, with a BZI, our, our buddy. Uh, uh, Joe, Joe Mullins, you know, Joe Mullins mm-hmm. he, he was oh, at the yeah, uh, nice. he's at the Green Giving thing the other day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so uh, you know, it, most of what we do is word of mouth, and then you know, Facebook, social media, and then other digital marketing stuff. Mm-hmm. So. All right, here it is, grinds my gears, Dan edition. Well, it'd be actually just what we're talking about is uh, traditional marketing, especially wants you to always spend lots of money on faith. Mm. <laughs> Um, I just had, I mean, I guess this, yeah, traditional marketing. I had a phone call earlier this week from a guy who was saying, hey, we're doing some new, I'm sure it's a syndicated show of some kind about what's best in Ohio or something along that line, history of Ohio or something like that. Hey, you want to be a part of that? We'll come out and film something 
and I, you know, I'm guessing it's mainly B-roll with like 20 seconds worth of conversation in there or something like that. And I go, okay, well, you know, what, what's the deal? He goes, well, I can get you into the uh, Cleveland and Akron market and also Columbus for the smallest package is 40 grand. Oh and my got, first of all, you did no research. I got one location here. Yeah. And so I, Cleveland, we'd get people from Cleveland, but I'm not going to depend on that. Yeah. Uh, and, and second of all, you have no clue. Basically, you, you know, in the, in the, their biggest package, the whole state of Ohio, multiple times, plus on our website, plus on our, uh, I don't know, on our pens, you know, uh, it's only 260 grand. I go, okay, well, uh, no, thank you. Yeah. So they want you to do things on faith and, and, and I'm going back more traditional and I, but I know that they still do this. Uh, magazines, newspapers, how many people read that every day? And they come up with this number that I think is, uh, starts with once upon a time. They say, well, the average, I mean, I've been told the average of, uh, 2.3 people read every newspaper. I said, no, they don't. There's no way. And especially now, when uh, many folks, I don't even bring up newspapers I'm talking to my staff, because mm-hmm. I say, well, you can go to a museum and see one. <laughs> uh, our local paper here, like in Springfield, used to have tens of thousands of readers. I don't know what it is now, but it's not that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I listen to our politicians worry about, well, it wasn't in paper. I said, maybe, really? maybe 10,000 people saw that yeah said don't worry about it and that's also I mean, i'm getting off the topic but that's also some of social media don't worry about it yeah. you know if something really you need to deal with then you need to deal with it but just because someone hates you or has bad words to say about you no need to even respond yeah because mm-hmm. i got more followers than they do mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the thing that grinds my gears would be um over promising or just expecting you to take things on faith mm-hmm. and you know and spend a lot of money to do that and that's kind of like why i like them more digital type things because you can know who you reach better yep and you can target it even though some of that's been taken away uh, you can target it much better by age groups and folks you know by their interests and that sort of thing um, you know, there's no reason for me to be trying to, I don't know, I don't, I don't have a good example, but, um, going back to my, my, uh, herbicide guy, there's no reason to advertise it to anybody who doesn't own a farm. Well, same thing yeah. with, with the business, you know, like when we, uh, you know, we do some work with tourism, Ohio in terms of mm-hmm. co-oping mar- marketing and they, they have ads packages. So we could, we could get like a 50% discount on our ads. But the problem is, is that. Like today in Ohio, it's 60 degrees and cold and rainy. We could spend $10,000 on ads today and no more people are going to come than are, than we're going to come anyway. So like, especially when we get into the fall, like last fall was gorgeous every weekend. I think we had one bad one, weekend day. One half bad day. Yeah. And yeah. in, in, in the entire fall, we, we didn't need to spend a cent on marketing the entire time because we we're going to be out the door, especially with the new building opening. In <laughs> fact, uh, if I remember at the time... I told John, I said, stop. Yeah, stop. We have too <laughs> many people. Honestly, I mean, that sounds stupid to say that, but I said, I don't, we are having a difficult time taking care of the folks I got, mm-hmm. getting back to the beginning of what I said. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I don't want more folks here right now. You know, if you could somehow convince them to come in January. Mm. But um, yeah, we didn't do any, we didn't do any email blasts last year. Maybe no. we did. It, yeah. Because it was a weird, it was a weird start to the year because it was still covid restrictions in the first half mm-hmm. so yeah we didn't we didn't do hardly anything towards the second half of the year because it was just stupid busy so i mean that's yeah. that's the thing about you know when you say i'm going to send out these postcards or i'm going to do this tv ad that tv ad's going to play regardless of whether you want it to play or you know situations have changed or mm-hmm. heck you know by the time the ad runs you might be closed because of you know conditions the way they are so yeah. when you when you have control or you work with a team that has control of all the things that are going out when you want them to go out that's the kind of thing to focus on Mm-hmm. When you know your audience, you know your guests, so you know you know what kind of marketing is going to work for them too. And it's not like you just like assumed like, oh, this is what I think that they might like. Like I think we've seen over the years, like we've seen clients that they're like, well, like I think that my client will like this, or I think that my customer base will like this, and then you know they spend all these resources or finances on you know something kind of like that influencer marketing package that that guy was selling you when like. 
if you didn't know who your audience was and you would have just said, okay, yeah, sure, let's try it, then, you know, that would have been $250,000 down the drain because you didn't take the time to actually know who your customer is. Yeah. And I feel like that's where you have to start. It's like, again, going back to what we said, starting with a really good product, starting with a really good service, knowing who you're selling to, and then figuring out the channels to be able to speak to them, not just like going off your gut. I mean, there is like a level going off of your gut mm-hmm. once you've already mm-hmm. done the work of knowing who you're talking mm-hmm. to. So grinds my gears too. <laughs> <laughs> Things always grind Ellen's gears. She has to it's always true. jump on, <laughs> jump true. in. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Somebody else gets it. I didn't know I was angry at this, but I'm very angry about this. <laughs> yes. All right. Welp. It's a Midwestern goodbye. Welp. Welp. Oh, oh. Time to go. Dan, okay, thanks go for joining on. us today. Sure. Thank you for inviting me. We're gonna work on. The, we're gonna have a little ice cream celebratory party right after this. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's figured. You guys would be up for that. <laughs> so. I want that twenty-two hundred calorie situation that we were talking yeah, about the, earlier. The Buckeye bull shake. Am I right? Since two thousand ish. It would be what? pushing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. It'd be right around Challenge here. Challenge accepted. Well, it's five. It's five <laughs> scoops of ice cream plus one on top and a Buckeye and, and milk. whipped cream. Yeah, and whipped cream. It sounds and beautiful. And little Reese's but pieces I think on top. I, would die. I know. And it's you it know so a good. pint and a half. Yeah. I know. It's, it does sound good. <laughs> Dream. We could be so, cute and share it. Like, every, everything like, in moderation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's never there's never too much ice cream. Though. Yeah, I'm... I always have more. I agree. I'm doing it. All right. <laughs> okay. We'll do it. All, right. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Oh, Here's a Little Marketing for You, a podcast written and produced by Shouted Out Design. Our theme song is Kill the Sun by the Cincinnati-based band Motherfolk. Tune in weekly for new episodes.